Good morning, Communitas. Good to see you guys joining with us this morning. As always, thank you for your faithfulness of uh, um, jumping on your screens and uh, being one body together. It's just uh, great to have you guys with us this morning. Uh, just a few announcements for you. Um, one, we are getting ever so closer to um, opening our doors on Sunday morning to gather once again physically, and so we are really uh, excited about that and looking forward to that. There are a lot of different details that we are trying to sort out, just volunteer-wise, technology-wise, and um, with that, we are looking for volunteers, um, specifically with um, ushers and cleaning people, and so if that is something um, that you'd be willing to help out with or just something that's on your heart and you're looking to jump in to serve here at Communitas, that would be a great way. Um, so ushers and cleaning people. And so if you're looking to do that, just please put your name like in the comments or email Mike, Pastor Mike Gary at mike.gary at communitaschurch.com and, uh, and we'll get you um, connected in the right spot for that. With that too, if you are looking to get on our email list or um, joining our Wednesday, night, Wednesday morning prayer time, um, also send your messages or put it on the, the comments and we'll get you connected that way too. Lastly, it's our Sunday morning, so if you got your, make sure to grab your communion elements and um, get those ready. And then giving, like always, is um, done online or by mail. Um, you can go to communitaschurch.com and give in the upper right hand corner or mailing in to 824 Laurel Street, Brainerd, Minnesota. That would be awesome. Lastly, I don't usually do this, but I, um, not every day, but most days I read through a dis devotional by Timothy Keller and, it's actually, and his wife, Kathy, and it's called The Songs of Jesus, and what he does is he goes through the entire book of Psalms over a year, and so he just pulls out in order, in order you know, a little part each day, and I just thought, I read this morning's, and um, just with the current times and everything, I thought it was just maybe something at least good for me to hear. And uh, so I just, I'm going to read this for you. He starts off with Psalm uh, 69, 34 through 36. And during this time, David is going through a lot of pain and craziness and hardship and agony. But hear him as he still shouts out in praise to the Lord. He says, Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and all that move in them. For God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. Then people will settle there and possess it. The children of his servants will inherit it, and those who love his name will dwell there. Now these are Timothy Keller's words. Using the future on the present, there's no indication that David's pain or circumstances have changed. So this final burst of praise is astonishing. David looks forward to a time when there will be no sickness, evil, or oppression, when all things will be put right. And Paul says that in some inexplicable but wonderful way, our sufferings now are going to make that eventual glory even more brilliant and wonderful. If we believe in Christ, this is a guaranteed inheritance that can't be beaten by moths or stolen by time. When we receive healings and deliverance now, they are small windows into the great things to come. Learn to look through those windows Cling to his promised salvation and praise him. And this is just a little prayer that he wrote. Lord, 
I must learn to praise you. It is the only thing that will honor you and will fulfill me. Therefore, with my utmost art, art, I will sing thee, and the cream of all my heart I will bring thee. Amen. Oh, God, I pray as we just gather here this morning that we are thinking of you and your um, incredible wonderfulness and um, help us just know that you are with us through whatever circumstances we're going through, that you hear us, that you hear our pains, um, that you are not far away and that you love us and you are um, worthy to be praised. And uh, help us look to that future when all things will be made right by you. Um, um, you are an incredible and amazing God, and uh, we love you. In your beautiful name, amen. Amen. Good morning. Um, quite honestly, I struggled a little bit this week, and I felt a little stuck as far as... Um, what to share with y'all and what to sing with you. But there's this old prayer that's been going through my head a lot this week. It's called the Peace Prayer. And some attribute it to um, a man named St. Francis that lived a long time ago. Some don't attribute it to him, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but I turned that prayer into a song for us this morning. Um, so we'll sing that, but first let's listen to some words from Christ from Matthew 5. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountain, and he sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. And Jesus said, Blessed are the spiritually poor, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek and gentle, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are those who are pure in heart, they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And blessed are you, blessed are all of you, when people persecute you or denigrate you or despise you or tell lies about you on my account. You, beloved, are the salt of the earth. But if salt becomes bland and loses its saltiness, can anything make it salty again? No, it is useless. It is tossed out, thrown away, or trampled. And you, beloved, are the light of the world. A city built on a hilltop cannot be hidden. Similarly, it would be silly to light a lamp and then hide it under a bowl. When someone lights a lamp and puts it on a table or a desk or a chair, and the light illumines the entire house, you are like that illuminating light, so let your light shine everywhere you go, that you may illumine creation, so men and women everywhere may see your good actions, may see creation at its fullest, may see your devotion to me, and may turn and praise your Father in heaven because of it. Amen. Uh, let's pray. Lord, forgive us, and um, Lord, Make us instruments of your peace. Um, and as we go forward with the service and um, in this life, Lord, would your spirit speak loudly within us. Amen. Good morning. 
My name is Mike Gary. I am the pastor here at Communitas Church. And Communitas is a church that exists to love God and to love people and build disciples who walk in grace, that grow in their faith. And we do this by gathering together to explore the way that the Lord has created us, has gifted us, and that we would use those gifts not just for our own gratification and, and self-glory, but we would use that to generously serve in and around the Brainerd Lakes area to make more disciples who love God and love people, that they too would walk in grace, grow in faith, gather in groups to explore their gifts and generously use those gifts to serve in and around the Brainerd Lakes area to make more disciples who love God and love people and join in this rhythm of gathering together, growing together, and going together. Uh, I'm always surprised in these times when kind of coming into uh, a Sunday when I'm thinking, gosh, I've got a lot that we've got to cover. We have a text that's super rich and just really applicable to what's going on in our lives each and every single day. And I go, how am I going to get this all into about 25 to 30 minutes and then uh, you know, we'll meet on Monday morning and Kelly says, hey, do you have any, you know, any ideas for songs? I'm like, I don't, I don't really have anything. Uh, you know, I'm sure that you'll do a great job. You, you always do. And then she just goes and writes a song that, uh, you know, says in three minutes what I'm going to try to say in 25 and probably does it better. So uh, thanks, Kelly, for, for doing that. Uh, it really makes my job a lot easier. Uh, so, as a church, we uh, participate in this that we gather together. Uh, we, so, we express our worship in a number of different ways. We gather together. We give generously, as Nick said, online um, or sending checks via mail. Thank you for your continued generosity throughout this time. We've been able to bless other people in the community as a result of your generosity. So, as we seek to, under, to, to try to become a church that would be a blessing to the community and would leave a hole were we to not exist... Right, so we should the, the, the community should feel the impact of the church in a positive way, in a way that gives life and shows people what being alive truly is. And so through your generosity, we're able to do that. We're able to start to do that more, and we want to continue in this pattern. So because of that, uh, we're able to do that. And we've also, we're going to express our worship in a little bit through uh, the listening to the proclamation of the word and the preaching. Before we do that, we're going to get into a time of communion. And communion is a meal that is celebrated throughout the world, throughout the history of the church. And it's one of the, the binding and unifying factors, right? You think about in your family, you have people that they have different thoughts and different ways of being and different opinions about how things go, but they, there are certain things that unify us. Uh, you know, the, the fact that we're a family. And, and that is one of the, one of the, as we participate in communion, we're reminded, and, and so it's not only a public declaration of our personal profession of Christ and a reminder to ourself of who we are, one who is subject to the Lord and, and a participant in his bringing of redemption, but it's also a reminder that we're all in this together. And so when you look around your living room and you're seeing people that, you know, you're with your family and you're seeing the people that are commenting online. You're thinking and you're hearing about people gathered around the world that are gathering remotely in churches or some are starting to gather physically in churches. We're taking communion with them. And so wherever, we, wherever you're at, wherever they're at, both physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, we're all in this together. And so just a, a few words on communion. If you uh, want to grab, if you have elements, great. If you need to go grab some elements, um, you know, traditionally it's, it's uh, juice and some, some bread. 
but uh, we've heard of some, some creative ways of expressing this, so feel free to uh, grab those elements and uh, just a few words on communion. So communion is, as we've been talking about and we've been going through Exodus, we see these people that have been taken from slavery in Egypt out of this, this empire that sought to control and sought to manipulate and sought to put one person on top at the expense of the lives and the souls of all other people below them. And, and we see the Lord bringing them out and bring them into the kingdom of Shalom, where, where one is not successful until all are successful, where one does not have peace until all have peace. And, and, and we see uh, we were serving a God who, um, who becomes a kingdom, or who becomes a king by serving. And so Jesus is waking us up to these words and so what we do here at Communitas is we don't celebrate, we celebrate what's called open communion, which means you don't need to be a member of Communitas Church. We would just ask that you would be a repentant follower of Jesus. And so if that is you, we invite you into this. And parents will leave it up to your discretion uh, there wherever you are with your kids as to whether or not it's appropriate for them to celebrate communion with us or express it in this manner. And, and as we enter into this time, we're going to take a few moments. Kelly's going to play some words, and we're going to ask ourselves a, a couple of questions. And whether you're just kind of kicking around the tires of the faith, and you're like, ah, I'm just kind of checking out this church thing because uh, I can do it online, I can do it while I'm doing the dishes in the morning or eating brunch or whatever it is you're doing, um, we're glad that you're here. And I appreciate you uh, letting us talk while, while you're doing your thing. And so we're all going to ask these questions. And so regardless of, of whether you're just curious or, or you're a seasoned believer, we're going to ask these questions of who is God the Father and what has he done? And who is God the Son? And what did, how did Jesus live his life? And how does that inform the way that I live my life now? And then who is God the Holy Spirit? And what is God the Holy Spirit trying to do in and through me and through us as a, as a church body that we would make a difference in the world. And so we're going to pray that the Holy Spirit would convict us of sin, that he'd confirm in us the things that we're doing that are good, and that he would bring specific names and places and times and spaces where, where he's calling us to more clearly articulate and convey this gospel message to the world that so desperately needs it. Because while we, we certainly see that, that we're to be uh, a loving and caring and compassionate people to all folks, we also see that there are times where the Lord is, is calling us to say something or to do something or to be something for someone specific. And so we're going to play, pray, Lord, convict us of our sin. We know that we have not arrived. We're in the already but not yet. And so we keep this tension that, man, we're, we're not there and we blow it daily. So convict us of that sin that we would draw closer to you because that sin is separating us from God. But we also recognize, Lord, there are things that we're doing that are good. Would you please... Confirming us those things, that we would continue that. And Lord, we recognize that we're all in specific places. We have different circles of influence, and we've been called to those places. If we're a believer, we are called to the places that we go and the things in which we participate to show your glory. And so will you please speak to us and help us to see how and to whom we can better convey your message of hope. So Lord, we thank you for this time to gather together. Jesus, we see the way that you lived your life sacrificially as a servant, the king who serves. Lord, help that to inform the way that we live our lives. And so, Holy Spirit, would you please convict us of our sins? Convict us of the way that we have fallen short and that we continue to bring separation from you. 
and Holy Spirit also speak to us and help us to recognize the truth of, of who you are and the things that we're doing that are good, that bring us closer to you, that we would continue in those, those ways. And then also, Lord, bring us specific names and faces of people and, and places where we can enter in to better convey this gospel message to the world around us. So the last time that Jesus was together with his friends, they were celebrating this meal called Passover. And Passover was, um, you know, we, we've been reading about it in Exodus, and it was this meal that was meant to remind the people of who they were, the fact that God had redeemed them, not because they'd done anything. We actually don't see them really doing anything until later. Uh, and that the Lord rescues them out of their plight because he's gracious. And... And then we see that, and, and so long, years later, the people have been celebrating this meal, year after year after year after year, waiting for the Messiah to come back and to rescue them. And they all thought that he was going to be this mighty king, and he was going to rule like the other kings that they had seen. This, this kingdom of empire was finally going to swing back in their favor, and they were finally going to be the people on top, the people the rest of the world would look at from below. And Jesus says, no, no, we're, we're done putting our feet on people's heads. That's not happening anymore. And, and he says, if you want to follow me, if you want to live, you're going to die. And, and so he, he has this meal and, and he's sharing it with, with his friends. And they think that, you know, this is, this is the last meal before Jesus is going to go on and to rule, but this ends up being the last meal that they all share together before Jesus dies and they all flee around the world in fear. So as they're gathered together, Jesus takes the bread and he breaks it and he gives it to them and says, take and eat. This is my body. Knowing that that body would be broken, that the blood would, would pour out of him and sacrificial love, that, that 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 broken body and that poured out blood would atone for our sin, would, would make us right before the Lord, would bring about the rule and the reign of the kingdom of Shalom, the kingdom of the peace of heaven, that heaven would come to earth as a result of this. While the disciples don't understand it at the time, they don't know what's about to happen over the next few hours, few days, the Lord, knowing all of this, takes the cup, and gives it to them and says, This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Lord, we thank you for this covenant. We know that we, we don't deserve it. There's nothing that we could do to earn it. And so we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. And Lord, we pray that this grace and this mercy, that if we are believers, this would inform the way that, that we live our lives. And if we are not believers, that this grace and this mercy would compel us to want to know more about who you are and to know more about this grace and this mercy that is available to those who ask and for, to those who seek. And so Jesus, let us live lives like you and Holy Spirit, please continue to work in and through us and inform the way that we live and, and who we are, that we would make you look good.
Okay, at this time we're going to be continuing through Exodus. Um, if you have been with us for the last any amount of time, uh, we are going through the Torah. And that's the first five books of the Old Testament. And those, so the first five books of your Bible, if you have a paper Bible and you want to follow along, feel free to do so. Exodus is the second book. We are going to be in Exodus 40, the very last chapter. So if you're flipping through Genesis, you get to Exodus, you find yourself in Leviticus, come back a few pages, we're going to be in Exodus 40. And what's been going on, just to give you a recap while you find that, and if you have a mobile device and you want to follow along on that, feel free to take that out and tap, swipe, do whatever else you need to do to find that. If that's not convenient because you're watching on your mobile device and you don't have a paper Bible in front of you, that is fine. We will put the words on the screen to my left, your right. But essentially what's going on is in Genesis, just to recap, God created all that is seen and unseen. The first day says, and and on the first day, the Lord created. And so everything that is seen and unseen, the Lord continues to create over the next six days. Then he takes a rest on the seventh day. And, and he has the Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. And he says, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. And they, instead of obeying the Lord, they decide to disobey the Lord, which causes a break in their relationship. And the Lord cannot be in their presence anymore. They cannot be in his presence anymore. And the rest of the story is God bringing reconciliation or kind of making up for, atoning for, and making a way for God and his people to dwell together again. And he sends a promise to a man named Abraham a few chapters later in, in, in Genesis and says, I'm going to make, he says, hey, old man and your barren wife, I am, I'm going to show you a miracle. Not just the fact that you're going to be able to have a kid even though they're, you're way past your years, but through your brokenness and despite your sin, I'm going to make a people that will show the rest of the world what it is to follow the Lord. But they're going to have to endure 400 years of slavery before then. And so they endure 400 years of slavery and Egypt. The Lord rescues them out of that and they're all jacked up. They've had a 400-year traumatic experience and they need to relearn what it is to carry and bear that image of God, that intrinsic worth and value and dignity that all people have being created in the image of God. And so the Lord brings them out into the wilderness and he takes some time to, to tell them and to teach them about who he is and who they are. And that's the essence of the Ten Commandments. And then he says, hey, I'm gonna, we're going to build this tabernacle. And this tabernacle is meant to be this walking physical picture of the Garden of Eden and about who they are and about God's character and the way that you approach the throne. And, you, and, and so that's where we find ourselves. And so it's a year to the day late, later, excuse me, and we find ourselves in this scene that Nick is about to read. Uh, we're, we're there in Exodus 40, and this is what's going on. So Nick... The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day of the month you shall erect the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and you shall put in it the ark of the testimony, and you shall screen the ark with the veil. And you shall bring in the table and arrange it, and you shall bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. And you shall put the golden altar for incense before the ark of the testimony, and set up the screen for the door of the tabernacle. You shall set the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar, and put water in it. And you shall set up the court all around, and hang up the screen for the gate of the court. Then you shall take the anointing oil, and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it, and consecrate it and all its furniture, so that it may become holy. 
You shall also anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils and consecrate the altar so that the altar may become most holy. You shall also anoint the basin and its stand and consecrate it. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and shall wash them with water and put on Aaron the holy garments. And you shall anoint him and consecrate him that he may serve me as priest. You shall bring his sons also and put coats on them and anoint them as you anointed their father, that they may serve me as priests. And their anointing shall admit them to a perpetual priesthood throughout their generations. This Moses did according to all that the Lord commanded him, so he did. In the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the tabernacle. He laid its bases and set up its frames and put in its poles and raised up its pillars. And he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent over it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He took the testimony and put it into the ark and put the poles on the ark and set the mercy seat above on the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the screen and screened the ark of the testimony as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the veil and arranged the bread on it before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the golden altar in the tent of meeting before the veil and burned fragrant incense on it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put in place the screen for the door of the tabernacle and he set the altar of burnt offering at the entrance of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting and offered on it the burnt offering and the grain offering as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing, with which Moses and Aaron and his sons washed their hands and their feet. When they went into the tent of meeting and when they approached the altar, they washed as the Lord, had commanded, as the Lord commanded Moses. And he erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar and set up the screen of the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Amen. Thank you, Nick, and thank you, Lord, for your words that we're able to read them and they're able to inform who we are, how we're to live, and to, to understand more about who you are and, and what you've done and are continuing to do in and through your church. Excuse me. Um, I, I, I was thinking about the, as, as I was sitting there listening to Kelly's song and that line sticks out of, of give as I've received. And I was thinking uh, throughout this week of, of the people who have, have given to me. 
Uh, I think sometimes we, we can get into this trap where we think, oh, I'm a self-made individual. You know, you read kind of kind of post-Adam Smith if you really want to get nerdy about it and some of um, some kind of the industrial revolution, you know, bootstrap kind of mentality. And I was thinking that, that that's just not true in my life, um, that I'm, I'm not alone. The phrase uh, some of the preachers of old have said this, I'm not alone up here. Um, and I think about, you know, all the effort that goes into the service. All, you know, Kelly gets up probably before she would prefer to, to, to get here and to get things set up and to, to be prepared. And, and Nick puts in a lot of time to make sure that things look good and are communicated uniformly. And, and, you know, we're, we're using a lot of his equipment to make sure that this happens and that look, this looks as good as it does. And, and I was thinking about all the number of teachers that I've had who, who whether I was listening to them or not, still continued to, to, to try to teach me and to help me along in life. And I was just even thinking about my grandfather and how, um, you know, just, he was much, much older than, than I was and, uh, that he would still take time. He didn't have a lot of energy, but he would still take time to, to spend time with me and to run around and, and play baseball or do whatever it was as best we could. And I would spend about two weeks at his house, um, you know, my parents would were fortunate enough that they could just drop me off, and and they would just spend a week or two with me, and my grandpa would take me for walks, and and everybody would spend time in the field just looking at clouds, and and that was always a really helpful time for me to be able to get away, and and to kind of understand a little more about who I was and learn about, you know, where my dad came from and kind of make sense of what was going on in my world, even as a, uh, you know, an eight, nine, ten-year-old boy. I remember those being really shaping and really forming experiences. And that's a little bit of what we have going on uh, in, in Genesis and Exodus here, right? And so Genesis is, is God forming this people, uh, you know, we talk about this, you know, this, this um, and, then, and then in Exodus, he's, he's taking them out into the wilderness and informing them about who they are. They spent a bunch of time kind of in this, this empire, in the rat race, literally working themselves down to the bone. And the Lord says, hey, uh, we're going to pause on that for a moment. You're going to just stop. And I'm going to take you out into the wilderness and we're going to take a moment. I'm just going to tell you about who I am. And, I, and he says, people, I want you to look at me. Eyes right here. And the Lord's saying, this is who I am. This is who you are. Here's how I work. Here's how I want you to work. And so when we read Exodus 40, if, if you have it, and sorry, I didn't get the, we didn't get the words up there. Um, so if we read Exodus 40, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, On the first day... Does that, does that ring a bell to anybody else? What does, that, does, that, does that bring about maybe, uh, maybe kind of a Genesis 1 memory for us on the first day, right? So this is, he's taking, Moses is using creation language, the Lord is using creation language to try to bring the people back and to remind them about who they are. And so he's going to say, on the first day of the first month, and so um, erect the tabernacle and the tent of meeting. And so he's kind of using this, this Eden imagery to help the people, so this is a year after, Okay, so they've, they've just escaped over 400 years of, of trial, of death, of trauma, if you will. And it's, it's a year later, and they still don't have all their ducks in a row. Shocker, right? I mean, if you take a, an entire genera you know, generation upon generation of trauma, it's going to take some time for reconciliation with one soul to occur. Especially when they don't have a grandpa that that knew this stuff, right? Like all the generations have been tied up in this for 400 years. And so the Lord is taking them out into the wilderness and he's going to say, okay, 
now, now you've been out here for a year. So on, as a way to commemorate this, this year of freedom, erect the tabernacle. And this tabernacle, remember, is there's, there's no physical f- firm foundation, right? Why? Because it's supposed to be ever-expanding and always on the move, right? Ever-expanding and always on the move. And so it's this picture of what the Garden of Eden was supposed to be, right? Be fruitful and multiply. Take this little perfect garden and continue to push back against the ruggedness of the wilderness and make the whole world Eden. And so the Lord's doing that again. He says, hey, that didn't work the first time. Okay, we're doing this again. This is not new story. This isn't second act. This is the same thing. The Lord's saying, okay, I said be fruitful and multiply. Now we're going to get a little more specific. You know, you ever had an employee that, or someone you're working with where it's, hey, you, you thought you, you gave them some direction and then all of a sudden, you know, they kind of went a different way and you said, oh, okay, that's fine. We're going to come back in and I'm just going to give you a little more direction here and then go. And that's Exodus 40. And so we read, what does the Lord say? He says, you shall, you shall, you shall. So you're going to bring the table, you're going to bring the lampstand, you're going to bring it to the door, you're going to set the altar here. And, and so it's this really specific set of instructions where the Lord says, you shall, I think it's like 14 times. It's okay. You're going you're to put the lamp not here, not here, but right here. You're going to hang the curtain not this way, not this way, but right here. I want you to dye these this way. I want you to put this here this way. I want you to set this up this way so that every time somebody came into the tabernacle, they'd be reminded of who the Lord is, what the Lord has done, who they are, and what they've been called to do. Recognizing, hey, I can't enter into this without sacrifice. There's cost that goes into this. There's life that needs to be lost before I can truly live. That's not a New Testament message that is deeply rooted right here from the very beginning. And, and so Moses would, so they're, they're setting this all up and we read about, you know, um, you know so it's the first part is, is kind of three parts going on. Part one says here, this is what you're going to do. Part two, them doing what the Lord has asked them to do, right? This is good news. All of a sudden you kind of have some hope. You're like, hey, they're finally doing it. We're finally getting it. There's hope for me as people. Because I don't know if, if, if you can identify with these people like I can, where I look and I'm like, man, I blow this thing every single day. When, like, is there ever going to be a day where I'm going to get this right? Is there ever going to be a moment where I respond, uh, you know, out of this sense of shalom and out of the, the Lord's approval as opposed to the sense of empire and trying to earn the Lord's affection? Am I ever going to get there? And this would say that, yeah, we're, there is hope for us as a people. And so the Lord says, Here, here's what you're going to do. He says, then I want you to consecrate Mo, Aaron's people. And, and so Aaron and, and, and his sons, they were, they were going to act as priests. And so they would stand outside of the tabernacle. And just a brief review. So the tabernacle was this rectangular kind of tent or kind of the center of the city. And the, the rest of the 12 tribes of Israel were, were camped out around. So big tent village, tabernacle right in the middle, and every time you come up, the, the priests were there to remind you that you needed a mediator. You needed something to go between you and the Lord. Your sin was too great for your good works to get over it. And so these uh, these priests would be a reminder that, that yeah, sacrifice was needed, um, that the loss of life, there was atonement that needed to happen. And so they're sacrificing animals and whatever else. And and, and then after that, there was, there was worship. And, and there was hope, and you could draw closer and closer to the holy place, and then to, to the most holy place, where only the high priest would go once a year to, as the mediator before the Lord, for the community as a whole. So we see they're taking responsibility for the com- for the community. And so we Moses would see that hey, we need this. So he reminds us we need 
this high priest, we need this mediator. And, and so then we, we get to um, verse 33, and it says, in the, so then, And he erected it in the court around the tabernacle, and the altar set up the screen of the gate of the court. And so Moses finished the work. Good news, right? Moses finished the work. The work's over. Like 5 o'clock, quitting time, it's time to go home and celebrate. This is 5 o'clock on Friday, right? Like it's time for, for letting the good times roll. You would think that this is the time that Moses, the next, that verse 34 would read that, and then Moses walked into the Holy of Holies, and he and the Lord sat down, and they had a conversation, and all was made well again. Is that not what our hearts long for? Is that not what you're hoping for? Is that not what the world needs right now? We would think that this would be the moment that it would happen. But the fact that we have, uh, you know, 64 other books to the right to get through would lead us to believe that maybe there's more to the conversation. And so we read in verse 34, it says, And then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. This is sounding good. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. The glory of the Lord settles on the temple, or on the tabernacle, and Moses can't go in. So this is Moses, right? Like, he was doing fine out in this land of Midian, and the Lord calls him out of that. And, I mean, so he sacrifices everything that he knew in Midian to, to come back and rescue. I mean, the historians say conservatively, we're talking two million people. He led two million people out into the wilderness, out of out of slavery and oppression, you'd think that if anybody was going to crush it in human history, if anybody was able to earn their way in, wouldn't it be Moses? Two million people. I don't even know if I know two million people, and he saved two million people. But it's not enough. It's not enough. He can't go in. He needs to be invited in. And the good news is, is that the promise? We see this promise, so there, there's still hope. We continue to read. It says, throughout all their journey, so everywhere that Israel went, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and the fire was on it by night, and the sight of the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. They're moving in the rhythm of the Lord. When the Lord says go, they go. When the Lord says stop, they stop. They are seeing the Lord. It's been a year that all they've known is the kingdom of empire. All they've known is the Lord's is, is the Pharaoh's oppression, the, the king of the world just bashing down upon them. Now it's a year later and they're, they're starting to see, okay, when, when the Lord says move, I move. When the Lord says stop, I stop. And, so, and, and, and we see that, that the Lord, is, is, his presence is there in the very midst of the people. They don't have to ascend to some high mountain. They don't have to go to some far off land. It's, it's right there that God is bringing heaven to earth. There had been separation. So that, that had been the intent all along. And then we disobeyed the Lord and were asked to leave the garden. And the entire time the Lord is, trying to, is saying, okay, I want to bring us back Together And so here we see this picture of the Lord coming and bringing heaven to earth in the midst of his tabernacle. And so if we get anything out of this text, let's see that God brings heaven to earth. 
and let's help us to help us to understand that we are created, called, and empowered to do the same. God brings heaven to earth, and we have been created, called, and empowered to do the same. So, so the Lord dwells among his people. He directs his people, and he develops his people. Okay, it's not just, hey, I'm, most every other worldview is going to seek a, a very impersonal God, a God who is far off, and here we find a God who is near, who comes to his people. We brought about separation. He is bringing about repair. And so why is this important? Why, I mean, why should we understand? And why is it so vital that we, as, as, especially as believers, but we as all people need to understand and get a clear picture that God is bringing heaven to earth and that we have been called or created, called, and equipped to do the same? Because whether you are a follower of Jesus or not, that is foundational and fundamental and very central to who you are. And that helps you to understand your identity. And so that itch, that nagging, that tension that we feel and that we see and that break that we see throughout, uh, throughout history, throughout our lives, throughout the lives of the people around us, throughout the lives of things going on around the world, this explains us. We have been created in the image of God and we are intended for his glory. And if we don't understand that, things are going to fall apart. And there's also this itch that goes on within us. I mean, imagine being Moses. Just put yourself, just for a moment, right? So you've been, you've led your people, uh, you've gone through just crazy circumstances. You're completely unqualified, right? I mean, he had, he had a speech impediment, yet he's supposed to give a speech before the, the most famous man on the planet. That's some pressure. You felt pressure before? That's some pressure. And then he's supposed to lead two million people out into the wilderness and feed them and provide for them and help them discern how they're supposed to live. Right? He's got no idea what's going on. But he, but he, he listens to the Lord and he does it. And you think that, man, now wouldn't, wouldn't that bring about some, some closeness with the Lord? No, we see that we need a mediator and that we need somebody to, to help us and to guide us and, and to, to develop us along. And so this idea of God bringing heaven to earth that we have been created and called and empowered helps us to understand that we don't, we, we don't pick ourselves up by the bootstraps in the story of Scripture. That it is the Lord who has created us, the Lord who has called us, it is the Lord who has empowered us. And yes, we need to be obedient, and yes, we have, we have to have grit at times, and we have to put in the effort and the hours and the time to do so, but ultimately it is the Lord who has his hand on us in those times. And there's times where I think, man, I wish that I had that mediator to get me closer to the Lord. I wish that I had a cloud. I mean, wouldn't that be easy? I mean, how many of you have decisions that you have to make in your life? How many of you this last week are going, I've received a phone call from a number of you. They're just like, what do we do? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to think about what is going on in the world around me? I wish that I had a guide. I wish that there was just some sort of, of to-do list, some kind of punch list, something that I could just do to figure out what is going on because I've got this thing going on within my soul and I don't know what it is and I can't make heads or tails of it. What do I do? I'm exhausted. I'm confused. I don't know where, I, I know that I need to take a step, but I don't know where to even take that first step. 
I wish I had a list like Moses did. Put the lamp here. Hang the curtain there. Put the altar here. I, I don't know what to do. And for those of us who are in Christ, let me read the author of Hebrews. He's quoting David out of the Psalms. He says, Today, today, right now, in this moment, regardless of whether you're having the best day of your life or the worst day of your life, whether you are overflowing with, with joy and, and boundless happiness, or whether you're weary and worn out, this is today, right now, in this moment, if, if you, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And he goes on in verse 14, this is, so this is 4, starting in verse 14, he says, Since we have a high priest... Is this language familiar to you now? Since we have a high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's, this verse 16 again. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of what? Of grace. Then that we may receive mercy and find grace. To do what? To help us in a time of need. If this text, if your life, if what's going on in the world around you hasn't been enough to wake you up to the idea that you cannot do this on your own, that you need a mediator, need help, you need a guide in your life, and it's not just another book, another series, another podcast, another Bible study, another church group, uh, a different experience, that it's actually an encounter with the living God, and this, this, this has to wake you up to that. Let this be this time that you hear his voice and today not harden his heart, your heart. Because it helps us to understand that, that we have a mediator. That Jesus has paid the price. He paid the penalty for our sin. Our sin, was the penalty was death. And Jesus paid it. And before we left it, his, his disciples, he said, hey, I, I'm going to go away. And they were freaked out and they were scared and they didn't know what to do. And he said, I'm going to leave you my Holy Spirit. I'm going to leave you a cloud to follow by day and fire to follow by night in the way of my Holy Spirit. So if you're a believer, that same cloud that dwelled on the and that came over the tabernacle, the same fiery tongue that, that, that was there at Pentecost that led the people that fire that led the folks throughout the wilderness in, in Exodus. That tangible way to, to be aware of the presence of God. That same God is alive in you if you are following Christ. That same Spirit is the Holy Spirit that dwells within you to bring heaven to earth starting within your soul and working its way outward. You are to be a tabernacle no physical boundary, no way, you're not just going to stay right there in that spot, in that moment, but you have been meant to, to be fruitful and to multiply, to bring this tabernacle, this kingdom of shalom, to extend outward. And we do this when we understand that God brings heaven to earth and that we've been called to do the same. And why? So how does this work out? Well, it's going to help us, when we see this, it helps us take responsibility 
for our, our spiritual community. And it gives us some, some kind of background on the fact that this is going to have cost. Obedience has cost. Anybody who's ever said, oh yeah, I followed the Lord and it did, you know, didn't cost me anything. I, I don't know how tightly you're following the Lord. If following the Lord has just been easy and you've never, it's never cost you anything, we need to have a conversation. Or you and the Lord need to have a conversation. Because okay, and and this so this brings us to what happens if we don't what happens if we don't understand that that God brings heaven to earth and that we have been created called and equipped to do the same boredom and burnout and if you're a follower of Christ I mean you maybe heard this maybe this has been part of your story you hit, you hit this point where um, you know you kind of in our in our faith life in our journey as as we come to know the Lord. There's this time when we first know the Lord, and it's just a super rich, just amazing experience where, kind of like the, the Israelites, we're brought out into this open space, into the wilderness, and finally, we can breathe. The, the monkey on our back of expectation and, and toil and is, is not there. And, and we've been brought out, and, and, and you have these moments where it's just, oh, I'm just, you know, Reading and it's great. I'm having these great mountaintop experiences, and we're just you know consuming, 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 and then we hit this point where we're like, oh yeah, I just you know this church doesn't do it for me anymore. I, I was with these people, and I don't know, it just it just didn't fit my needs, and I just you know I just wasn't learning what I, I thought that I needed to learn. And it's really interesting because nowhere in the scripture do we do we see that type of person or that type of growth. That's never the recipe for holiness, because often what happens. So if we're going to act in the image of God, then there's going to be service involved. There's going to be cost to obedience to the Lord. And we have a responsibility to our spiritual community and to our physical community, to our neighborhoods, to our places of work, to our schools, to our teams, to our friend groups. We have a responsibility to them to be that tabernacle and to continue to push out and press back against the kingdom of empire that would seek to crush people down and that to bring the kingdom of shalom that exists to come underneath others and serve them. Illustration. When I was in Scouts, we had these little tokens. They were smaller than this. I made this out of a pizza box this morning. If you could only go into the deep end of the pool, this is what you had. And so you'd hang this token, and that meant that you had your name on it, and you could only go to the deep end of the, or into the shallow end of the pool. It was like up to your knees. Not a terrible amount of fun. However, if you worked a little bit, and, and you kind of followed some of the instruction, they'd come over and they'd color it in for you. And this meant that you got to go out to, to where there was, there was the drop-off. You know, that part in the pool where as you're walking out and all of a sudden... You know, the water starts to come up a little bit, and you're on that downhill slant. You could go to that point where that started. But then, if you continued to follow the instruction, you continued to, you kind of ventured out a little bit deeper, and you were able to go off the driving board, diving board, and they color this in for you. And then you could go anywhere in the pool that you wanted to. Unfortunately, most of us as believers never want to get the red. We never want to, we never want to do that work to get out past our knees. We wade in the water, we're in the pool, we're content being in the pool. We're like, yeah, this is neat. I don't really want to listen to the voice of the Lord. I don't want to do that deep, hard soul work. Some of us will get into the red. We'll, you know, it'll take some time, but then we'll get there, and we'll start to go, okay, I want to move past just you know, knowing the Lord, but I actually want the Lord to, to kind of just, I want what's true in Scripture to be true in my life. 
And then Lord continues to call us out to you know, give us a further invitation. And he says, hey, we're going to do the deep soul work. And I want, I'm going to tabernacle within you. I want this picture of the tabernacle that you see in Exodus, this, this picture of the tabernacle exemplified or shown to us by Jesus as he walked. Lord, I want that to be true in your life. And so we need to do that soul work where we go, okay, Lord, I don't want to harden my heart. Teach me today what it is to follow you. What does it look like to follow? What is the next right thing I know what to do? Because here's the thing. We, we see that the Lord approves of, of what's been going on. Right? We see the Lord approves of what's going on in Exodus. And so that's the position where we come from. We who are in Christ, we know that we can't earn it. It's by Christ's blood that the Lord looks at us and says, You are my son. You are my daughter. No longer just look at you and go, oh, just, just shattered, broken, miserable, don't like you. The Lord doesn't say that to his sons. doesn't say that to his daughters. He looks and he says, my son, my daughter, with whom I'm seeking to dwell, who I'm directing, who I'm developing, and who I love. Amen. And so what do we do as a result of this? And we follow the cloud. We listen to the voice and you go, how do I do this? This is, this is why we gather in our groups. This is why we read scripture to one another. This is why I confess our sins. This is why we pray. This is how and where and why we learn. So that we can grow in the image of God in which we've been created. So God is with us and needs us to do that soul work. Not just for us. So often we think, oh, I, I want to get past, I want to get past my addiction. I want to get over lust. I want to get over pride. I, I don't want to be arrogant anymore. I want to be a better dad. I want to be a better mom. I want to be a better son. I want to be a better daughter, grandma, grandpa, whatever it is. I want to be better. And it's for us. And the Lord says, no, I need you to do it for the sake of, of the community. I need you to do this for the sake of all people. So that when people look at you, they see and know more about who I am. dwelling on this picture that in the midst of, of Exodus, right? I've been, I've been thinking, you know, what, what would it look like for, for, for the gods of, of Egypt, right, that Moses had just defeated? What would it look like for them to have a conversation with Jesus? Right? They're going to come to Jesus and be like, hey man, you're going to really use that ragtag bunch of individuals, those people that continue to make idols, those, those people that continue to walk away from you, who are going to be unfaithful to you all the way throughout the, the, the history of time. You're going to use them. You're going to call them your bride, even though they're, they're cheating on you right now. And Jesus says, yeah. Because my holiness and my goodness and my mercy and my grace are sufficient and cover that. My street cred does not go down one bit because of who they are. And I'm not afraid to have them at my side. It doesn't do anything. It does not change my identity. It doesn't change my glory. Because all those who come to me are made holy and receive peace. So this brings a few questions. We have these questions for consideration uh, posted in the comment section if those are helpful. These are the ones that if you're in our Communitas groups, these are the questions that we go over. If you're thinking, I'd like to talk to some people about those questions, I'd like to discuss those with people. If you're not connected in one of our groups, 
direct message us, send me an email, do something, reach out, let us know, and we'll get you connected as soon as we can. But uh, So some things to, to think about in light of today's message, in, in light of what we're reading about, in light of what's going on. Um, so the Lord has called the people to build the tabernacle. Right? We see that they're doing that. He says, hey, I want you to do it this way, and they do it. This is that be fruitful and multiply. So that begs the question, what type of work are you called to do in the kingdom? Not just occupationally, but what is it that you're devoting your life to that the Lord would, the Lord's presence would be, would be known and shown throughout the community? We see that Israel finally starts to see the presence of the Lord. It's, it's subtle at times, and sometimes it's, it's pressing on them in, in this thick cloud that they can't even get into. So do you feel the presence of the Lord? And if so, how? Do your neighbors see the presence of the Lord in your life? And we see that the, the people have been brought out. It's been one year to the day. I want you to think back over this past year. Think back to this time last year. What was your relationship like with the Lord? Where, where were you in the Lord? What is he calling you into? Where has he brought you? What is he calling you out of? How is he shaping you? And then finally, what have you been given? What have you been given? I recognize that I've had tons of mentors. I've had tons of job opportunities. I've had tons of experience. What have you been given? And how are you using that to further the kingdom of God? How do you participate in the kingdom of Shalom in a world that so much advertises the kingdom of empire? And so when we hear God's voice, we remember, we remind, and we rejoice. So let's remember that God has created this tabernacle. That we have been called to be that tabernacle. And that through Christ's death and resurrection and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that we have been empowered to make it happen. For those of us who are in Christ, Jesus is our mediator. The Holy Spirit is the force in, that guides and guards us. And so we, as we hear Jesus' words to go and to make disciples of the world around us, we see that you, believer, have been called to be a tabernacle, a place where the Lord dwells, and may your ministry be ever-expanding. May you go out this week being fruitful, multiplying this kingdom of shalom, exemplifying what it is to follow Christ, to be Jesus to those in your family, to those in your neighborhood, to those in your workplace. So this time tomorrow it is 11:10. Uh, Thanks for sticking with us. What will you do this time tomorrow? What will you be doing this time tomorrow? And how will you be the tabernacle that the Lord has called you to be? Have a great week. Let us know if you can help out as in the cleaning crew or ushering in the comments below. And uh, we hope to see you soon. Go in peace. <laughs>